So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What's going on, guys? Doc Danny here with the Active Atlanta Podcast, and we've got my buddy Marshall Mosher on with Vestigo. And Marshall, and this I pulled it straight from this website, said he loves using his passion for technology and the outdoors to inspire others to unlock their full potential through a life of adventure and new experiences. And I think that's probably spot on, dude. I love, like, it's Thanks. so hard to simplify your message. I think that's that's dead on. I don't know exactly what you guys do, but I want to do something with you just by reading that. So uh, <laughs> first of all, dude, thanks so much for your time. Um, and, and, and I know you're busy guys. So carving out some time to talk to us. I appreciate it. I am always willing to have a conversation about how uh, staying active and adventurous is good for uh, a whole lot of different things. So I love what you guys are doing. And thanks for having me on the show. For sure, man. So here's, here's what I want to start with. So for those of you that you know are unfamiliar with your company and what you do, give us a little background of like how did you go from you know it looks like uh, a student at UGA to then starting this company to help you know people experience the outdoors and then and really be able to build uh, team uh, community uh, and like cohesion with that for companies. Yeah, for sure. Well, the story is uh, it's an interesting one, uh, and we've made the typical startup pivot uh, several times to kind of figure out what the ultimate um, kind of real need in this space was and ultimately what we're, what we're doing now. So I'll kind of explain a little bit about where our focus is now and then backtrack to tell you the story. So currently we use all kinds of outdoor adventure experiences for innovation and mindset training for companies. So we help employees get outside their comfort zone, kind of fight complacency, be willing to take risks, navigate change, to build up a mindset that you need to be able to innovate at a company. Essentially, innovation is a series of several things, but at the core, it's the willingness to try something new where in all likelihood you're going to fail and not only tolerate, but look for situations that present those kinds of opportunities. And we can practice doing that mindset uh, through putting yourself in new experiences, uh, you know, completely outside of the corporate office. Uh, something like going rappelling for the first time or hiking for the first time, things that are physically very accessible because we get that question a lot. Obviously, accessibility is really important to us, but these things don't necessarily feel accessible. But in reality, you know, anyone can do a mile hike. Anyone can even do something as uh, intense sounding as rappelling off a 50-foot cliff face or 500-foot cliff face. The size of uh, kind of what the challenge in front of you isn't really the difficulty. It's really just taking the first step, whether it's five feet or 500 feet. So we help people to take those first step experiences, kind of push past your comfort zone and build that mindset you need 
to be successful in creating culture of innovation at companies. But we started with a little bit of a different focus. My background at the University of Georgia was um, in uh, kind of health and wellness. At least that's where my passions were. Academically, I was studying to go to med school and uh, studied pre-med, did a, a biology and psychology double major until about junior year where I realized that I really wanted to help people live a more active and healthy lifestyle, but didn't really think that clinical medicine was the route to go. And I, I'd always had a passion for, for business and entrepreneurship ever since a young age. So I added an econ major in there really just to figure out, well, maybe I might want to go into the business space and ultimately sort of realized that I wanted to do a combination of the two. So Throughout that time at UGA, my campus job uh, was as a guide for the outdoor rec program where we would take students on all kinds of first step experiences in the outdoors. And that's where I really saw the impact of how introducing someone to whitewater kayaking or rappelling or caving or hiking or whatever it was, helping someone take that first step experience opened up people's eyes to this amazing activity that was a lot of fun, but also a great workout. And we would hear these stories of people coming back and applying for jobs as a guide for the outdoor rec program, saying that they did their very first hiking trip when they came on one of our experiences with us a year ago. And after that, they went hiking all the time on the weekends, brought their friends, they lost 30 pounds, they were happier and healthy, healthier, you know, mentally and physically because of that experience so much so that they wanted to start actually leading those trips as, as a guide. And and that was a pretty common story we'd hear. So I realized that the reason why people don't find those experiences is really because it has a high barrier of entry. It's hard to just go do those things by yourself. It's not really something that, that you just watch YouTube video and go do for, for a lot of the stuff. So I wanted to make it easier for people to take that first step. And I was really inspired by the Airbnb story, at least the, the technical application of how they were connecting people with a resource to people without the resource who needed that resource and created this massive online platform of places to stay without building a single hotel. And I thought, well, we can do that for outdoor experiences. Ironically enough, two years later, Airbnb then launched Airbnb Experiences, which was the exact same model that we had started two years before. But uh, essentially, it was a online platform where local guides who had the gear and the knowledge to be able to lead their own experiences, could uh, create a profile and a, a trip experience. And then anyone in the area who wants to do something fun, outdoor, adventurous, uh, could see those experiences uh, filtered kind of by a geolocation or based on where you are and sign up with a local guide who could take you on this really cool experience and uh, sort of be that local friend who could introduce you to this whole new world that we hoped would encourage people to adopt that into their lifestyle and hopefully have a positive health impact from uh, something that doesn't feel like an obligation to go to the gym. It's just going to have fun on the weekend with your friends doing something that's active and healthy yeah. that inherently creates a, a more uh, healthy lifestyle without really even trying. So we did that for the first two years and that was actually... Um, uh, kind of born out of this entrepreneurship class I took in my very last semester where I realized I didn't really want to go to med school, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I took this entrepreneurship class as an elective for the last semester and fell in love with the idea that I could combine those two areas together and um, ended up uh, deciding to continue that idea after the class, 
met uh, my co-founder who was doing his MBA at Georgia at the time. We applied for a tech startup incubator out in California called Singularity University. That was a 10-week program that helped us to kind of um, get uh, a lot of the, the skills and training that you need to start a company, none of which I really got from you know, formal college education, uh, a little bit from the entrepreneurship class, of course, that's what sparked that, but it was a really great way to kind of continue that education into the practice of actually putting that into place. And then we came back 10 weeks later and um, kind of really launched it from there. That's awesome. You know, I feel like uh, most people, when they are outside, you know, in nature, are just getting some damn sun on their face. Like they feel inherently better. You know, we, like we know, obviously we produce vitamin D when we get exposed to sun. I have a friend that's Scandinavian and every time that he's here in the U S he never wears a shirt. Like if it's sunny, he has a shirt off and he's, he, he would always tell me, he's like, dude, we don't get this where, where I'm at in, in Finland. Like it just doesn't happen that often. So we, we kind of take it for granted, about how, how good it makes us feel in particular when we can disconnect. What, why do you feel like nature is so specifically like beneficial when it comes to in particular stress and management of our busy lives that many of us in Atlanta live? That's a really good question. And there's actually some interesting research that's, that's been done and going on about this topic. Um, I think more than anything, it's just a natural excuse to press the pause button on all the things in life that make us stressed and anxious. Um, you know, evolving as humanity evolved, life wasn't a constant series of just urgent things that uh, had to come up. It was uh, the you know, occasional being chased away by a lion and kind of the constant need to find food for your family, but a lot more downtime than we have now. So nature gives us that opportunity to just get away from the constant text messages and emails and to-do lists and refocus not on short-term what I need to do, but long-term what's important. And I think that gives people the excuse to think in a, a way that is somewhat um, suffocated in modern, modern society um, that you have to be intentionally willing to get yourself out of to kind of refocus on the bigger picture of what's important. And there's been some interesting research around how virtual reality has helped to simulate that as well. Of course, you know, getting out in nature is, huh. is the best thing, but we've started to do a lot of virtual experiences where we can actually bring the new and unique environment to a company's office and not require those employees to actually leave and go anywhere, but still have a pretty powerful impact by tricking your mind into thinking that you're in this really amazing new environment uh, and building programming around whatever it is you're doing in that experience. And there's been a lot of um, kind of nature-related research to that. There's a, a really popular VR application called Nature Treks that puts you in this virtual, these series of virtual, beautiful, natural environments that um, produce similar results uh, from a neurochemistry standpoint in your brain. Uh -huh if you sort of put that on and relax for a little bit, then actually going out in nature. So it's interesting um, to, to see what's, what's coming out about that. Of course, we never want to replace nature with that. But with our current work, the, the reality is that 
there's never going to be 100% of a company that will come on one of our experiences. No matter how many experiences and opportunities we offer to a company, there will be at least 10 to 30% of the company that says no to even the easiest of experiences, even like a day out in the park. Um, some people just just won't do it. So the virtual reality has been a really easy way to help, especially those people, take that first step into kind of seeing what they didn't really realize uh, existed before, trying something new, taking that first step, and ultimately encouraging people to continue that journey into the real experiences as well. Yeah, well, I love what you guys talk about with this idea of the power of vulnerability. You know, you have uh, TED Talk that explains this really well. Well, no, I want to I want to get into this topic of vulnerability you talk about on your on your uh, your side and and why you feel like it's such an important thing for, I don't think it's just for companies. I think this is for people in general to uh, really put themselves in a position where they're doing something that creates some amount of discomfort and that potentially they might fail at and or um, maybe not look so cool in front of their, their counterparts, which, you know, like I, I definitely am a big believer in this as well. So why do you guys feel like that's so important for people to do? And how do you go about doing that in a manner where you don't also, um, scare people off and, and potentially alienate them within a company? It's a really great question. Um, you know, failure is a part of growth and vulnerability is really admitting that to yourself and to the team around you instead of trying to always maintain this image of perfection in everything that you do. Uh, being real with people and honest and vulnerable goes way farther than always having the answers uh, and the ability to to do anything that, that comes up. And, and that's really what is the number one factor that builds human connection based on the research from a uh, very well-known author now named Brene Brown, who also has the number one TED Talk in the world called The Power of Vulnerability. Uh, so out of all the Ted socks in the world, if that's number one, you know, it's wow. important. And her research is on what's the one most important factor for creating deep, authentic, meaningful human connection. She's found that vulnerability is that key of the ability to do something that scares you and be open and honest about the fact that it's challenging and scary. Um, but that you trust the person that you're doing it with enough to push through that difficult piece to accomplish some better outcome together on the other side, that is what can create way more trust and understanding and just mutual appreciation for each other um, than a happy hour baseball game yeah, uh, or surface level conversations in the office, which is unfortunate that team building now has been associated with those things because uh, those are more of just time passers than actually building anything. If uh, you made a great comment earlier, if those things worked, uh, then the military would be using them to build teams, but it's quite different from what the military does. It's very true. Uh, right. You have to, you have to be willing to challenge yourself, get outside your comfort zone, push yourself and lean on the people around you and trust those people to be able to, um, not just build uh, you know, a, a better team unit, but better individuals within that team. And vulnerability is a very big piece of that. So helping people understand that is, is definitely the first step. So a lot of what we do is not just a 
one-time experience. So we're not a ropes course or, you know, a whitewater rafting trip with your company. We're really a sort of uh, kind of innovation training mindset building program. Just with what you guys do, you can't really come in just for a one-time visit. You have to constantly be practicing those things and revisiting those things to create the sustained impact that you want to have. Just like you can't go into a a gym once a year and expect results. So with what we do, the first step of that is not really anything to do with experientially. It's uh, everything to do with helping people understand the mindset behind why we're doing what we're doing. So a lot of our first step uh, kind of programming is having a adventure speaker come into the office and talk about how they had to have this mindset when they were doing XYZ world record, gold medal, you know, whatever crazy thing that they ended up doing um, and really helping to frame the mindset of how to take that first step and why this program is going to cater to each individual person's level to be able to take that first step and the vulnerability that's needed to lean on each other to be able to help each other take that first step regardless of where your current uh, kind of threshold or level for whatever that first step might be for that individual person. So really using that inspiration is a big factor. We also host a podcast called Inside the Adventure, which is that on a scaled up version where anyone can listen to these stories. So we use a lot of content from from those interviews to uh, help with the motivation piece. And then we lead the first experience. Usually the first experience is something very easy, accessible, could even be a virtual reality experience like what we talked about earlier. Mm. And then kind of slowly build up to more and more advanced experiences. But um, regardless of what the experience is, there's something that everyone can participate in and that caters to every skill level and um, uh, kind of current status of where every individual's person's every individual person's you know limits and kind of threshold might be. You know, I'd be interested to hear your take on how there there, there seems to be a lot of challenges, um, difficult uh, events that people love taking part of, Spartan races, tough mutters, different military style events like go ruck. Uh, the softly group does stuff like this. Uh, Seal fit does Kokoro camp. There's a ton of these. And, you know, having been in the military, I know what it feels like to walk around with a heavy backpack on for a long time. It doesn't feel awesome. And, but I don't think that like many people, uh, most people I don't think have experienced that. And I think there's some amount of human nature to want to know like what you're capable of. Um, And I think it's one of the reasons why these are so popular. Have you noticed this as well with the groups that you work with? as things get harder, there are certain people that just like, dude, I love this stuff. Like I need more of this in my life because potentially they're supposed to have more in their life. And they, they have a very easy, you know, non-physically stressful existence, but yet we're not really designed to be that way. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, our goal is to try to help people to find those types of things and pursue them. Of course, most of what we do is on that sort of first step level and building up the base mindset that you need to challenge yourself and be willing to jump into uncomfortable situations and build the vulnerability to be able to accomplish that with your team. Um, But of course, we want people to continue building that mindset in even more epic and intense ways that push each individual person. Um, So it's not uncommon that several people within a company we work with 
will go on to try to tackle some really big initiative. And we work with a couple kind of partnering organizations to help provide that since that's not necessarily something that we focus on since our program uh, mainly caters towards taking that first step and sort of sustaining that, um, that mindset up to a certain point. But once someone gets past that point, there's all kinds of incredible initiatives to tackle. Of course, you could go do one of those races like you've talked about. You can go sign up for a half marathon or a marathon. Um, but there's one in particular that we, we think is pretty cool. It's also based here in Atlanta with us. Uh, it's an organization called 29029. Uh, their last event was actually just this past weekend, where the reason why it's called that is because that's the height of Mount Everest, 29,000 29, feet, 29 thousand yeah it's kind of interesting how the number ended up being like that but yeah uh so of course climbing mount everest is not something that uh many people will have the opportunity or uh capability to do but we can all metaphorically climb mount everest uh through something like this event so what they do is they rent out a ski resort during non-ski seasons uh in the usually the spring and the fall uh, when there might be a little bit of snow at the top of the mountain, but the rest of the ski hill is grass. And you hike up the mountain and take the lift down however many times equal the height of Mount Everest. Yeah. And it's this pretty cool event where metaphorically you're climbing in, a, in one, one continuous push, usually over the course of 30 hours, almost 30,000 feet, which equals the height of Mount Everest. And that's a pretty challenging initiative for anyone, um, yeah, uh, for you know, sure. let alone someone, you know, it doesn't, even someone in, in shape um, will have a challenge with that. So there's some really cool events like that that sort of symbolize the kind of the pinnacle of what we're trying to help push people to be able to challenge themselves to do. And a lot of our speakers uh, actually go out to that event uh, every year as well. Um, a guy named Jesse Itzler here in Atlanta who's all about kind of building your life resume and pushing your your potential through um, uh, endurance sports. He started it uh, with a couple other awesome guys here in Atlanta. So there's always opportunities for really the kind of the high end of what that journey leads to. But most of what we do is on the first step experiential part. So interesting story about Jesse Itzler. I was reading his book, um, Living with a Seal, while I was sitting on a plane coming back from New York City with Ashley. It was for her birthday. And on runs Jesse and David Goggins uh, at the, right before the door closes. And I'm sitting there reading their book about, you know, him running around in Boston, whatever, and, and uh, all the difficult stuff that he made him do. And, and I had a chance to chat with them afterward and, um, and, and talk to him on the podcast, actually, the, uh, the first podcast that we started. And what, dude, what an interesting guy. I think that the way that he uh, approaches health, wellness, kind of relationships is, is spot on. And David Goggins, if you want, if, if you're somebody that feels like you need a little bit of motivation to get moving a little bit, I'm not sure you're familiar with, with him. You are the guy that was, what he, that he hired to live with him for 30 days and train him. Um, Every time I listen to David Goggins, I feel like I need to go out and like run or like do max pull-ups until I can't like, until my hands are bleeding. Like it's crazy how much more physically or mentally strong other people can be. And it's just a glimpse into what we're capable of. And I think what you're describing, like, like that sounds intense. I've never done that, but I'm going to do I, the I next think, one in Utah if you want to come join. Oh, what, where are they going? So they've been doing the Stratton Mountain, Mountain um, yeah. for several years now. They're doing another one out in Utah now uh, in 
August and the next yeah. Stratton Mountain one that just happened this past weekend will be in October, usually around this time of the year. But I'm going to go out to the one in, in August because I'm actually training for a really big initiative uh, for me personally to kind of keep pushing my own limits uh, that I'll, I'll tell you the full story. Uh, yeah, no, on, this, this is one thing I want to get into too, is like, okay, the exposure to nature, exposure to, I, I think it's really a mental uh, toughness um, element that many of us just don't have. And you can get it through a number of different ways. I know for me, it's about waking up early and, and doing it every day at 4.30, whether I want to or not. Like no one likes to wake up at 4.30, but we can force yourself to do something every day that requires you to shut your brain off and just say like, dude, shut up. Like I have to do this because I'm telling myself I need to. We, we, help, we help build ourselves like some mental resolve. But what you're talking about, I think is another really good way of going about it. What, what are you getting into that, that you're training for that is sort of like the next step or people that want to get involved with, you know, some of this stuff can, can look to do? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a couple things that I'm training for. One really big one um, that really builds on kind of that mindset piece you were talking about is going to happen in October of next year. This is what we're going to use 29029 to, to train for where two years ago, to give you the full story, um, me and one of my friends from UGA, a girl named Carden Wyckoff, who has muscular dystrophy and has been an amazing advocate for disability accessibility awareness and just disability awareness in general, um, we created this really awesome initiative back when we were first starting Best Ego to kind of combine two things we're both really passionate about together into this one epic experience to help uh, kind of bring awareness to those two things that we were we were doing. Um, she is all about mindset and um, kind of reframing your mindset to put yourself in other people's shoes and um, uh, sort of have awareness towards what life with a disability could be like and never letting that disability define you and always pushing past that. So of course, that really fits in with my mindset of always challenge your limits no matter what you think is possible, uh, if you believe you can keep pushing that, um, then that's really where your limits lie. It's not out here. It's up in your head of what those limits are. And if you constantly challenge those, then that's where the magic happens. We created this initiative where her and her brother had been doing these really cool things where he would carry her through Spartan races to raise mm -hmm. awareness for for their uh, goal and vision. So I wanted to bring an outdoor theme to that and try to set a world record by carrying her across the entire Georgia section of the Appalachian Trail, which is about an 80 mile stretch of um, some of the most up and down uh, elevation change on the entire trail. And of course the AT, almost everyone knows about it. One of the mm -hmm. most famous through hike trails goes from Georgia to Maine. And um, since it starts here in Georgia, we wanted to tackle the entire Georgia section. And to do that, we used a team of about five core people, but about 15 to 30 people each day would come and actually help us finish that section. And we would do a road crossing and road crossing so that people could, you know, join um, for different days and we wouldn't have to camp in the middle of the trail overnight anywhere. And we created this really amazing initiative that through the help of almost 130 people, we were able to carry Carden from Springer Mountain all the way to the North Carolina border and do this thing we never thought was possible. So we wanted to take that to the next level for the next idea and thought up a pretty cool initiative where for round two, we're going to carry Carden up Mount Kilimanjaro and paraglide off the summit to set two world records. First person to be piggybacked up Kilimanjaro. Uh, based on the research from uh, some of our friends that run the paragliding outfitter out there. And definitely the first girl with muscular dystrophy to be paraglided off the top, uh, wow. or really any physical disability um, 
kind of all, all together. So we want to use that as a platform to continue the mindset of what we were talking about before and really showcasing how mindset over matter uh, makes um, really all the difference. And the challenging thing with this point or this new initiative is that we can't have new people with fresh legs join each day. Uh, you know, every every individual day is is a new part, a new section of the mountain. Sure. So we're going to have a crew of about 15 to 20 people that are, are going to have to train really hard to um, be a carrier for a significant portion of the experience and um, not have quite as much rotation as we had last time. So we're pretty excited to, to uh, jump into that in 2020. Dude, that's intense, man. I think that's super cool though. Just like, I just love hearing about, you know, people seeing what their potential is, their, their physical, mental, we call it athletic potential, you know, at our practice, like what's your athletic potential? I know you're 50, but like, you still want to play pickup soccer. Cool. Like, do you want to be good? You know, do you want to not get hurt? No, no one should tell you to stop doing anything. And, you know, physically we can, we can accomplish a lot. I think that's amazing. And it's, you know, such a good uh, kind of way of looking at, you know, bringing awareness to, to such a terrible disability um, that, you know, for you guys, that, that should be pretty, pretty awesome. What, how, what's that process like with, par- you said paragliding off the, the top of mountain? Yeah, so, so like, one how of far the... do you go for? I feel like you go forever, right? <laughs> you'd, you'd fly far, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's quite tall. And uh, you start at, um, you know, a, a pretty, I think it's the, the highest elevation change from, the bottom to the summit of any of the seven, yeah. seven summits. I mean, you start not too far away from sea level. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a big one, but it's the, one of the coolest things about the AT initiative was that if, if it was a group of us carrying 120 pound backpack, I don't think we would have made it. We would have given up because the encouragement of Carden being this inspirational, amazing human being that's on your back, whispering encouragement to help you understand that you can take another step and you can go a little farther. And the whole thing, the whole time you have this thought in the back of your mind that, you know, I can take another step for Carden um, because, you know, she, she can't take a step. And if I physically could take another step, I'm going to take another step. Uh, and just putting, putting um, our kind of physical ability in perspective and having this incredible motivational factor uh to help you just go a little bit further each time and um that was a pretty powerful experience that we're um we're excited to continue well that's awesome you know and when you get a chance to work with people you know with through these companies and you're taking them on different experiences what's your favorite thing to do with them like uh what what if you said like man everybody should do something like this because i think it's such a huge impact on their time out in nature what, what would you pick yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's really less about what you do and more about why you do it. I'm a really big Simon Sinek fan and his book, Start With Why, I think um, really resonates. But it's, I think a lot of people have a particular fear of some particular outdoor adventure sport because it's inherently related to some personal fear that they have. So some people find paragliding super easy and there's not afraid of heights or rappelling or climbing. Some people find, uh, you know, caving really easy because they're not scared of small spaces, but other people will find those two things terrifying just because of a fear of claustrophobia or heights. So I, I really recommend trying to take the first step and go out and do whatever it is that you fear most, that you're the most scared of. 
and try to think through the whole situation about why you're feeling that way and try to like do your best to logically think through what is making me feel this way and not necessarily just let letting the fear take over because in reality the drive to everything that we do whether it's a vestigo experience or just going to work is far more dangerous than any experience that we facilitate but it doesn't feel that way because we do it every day so it's not necessarily the danger of what we're doing it's the uniqueness of the situation that we're putting ourselves in and the kind of bias we have towards what we hear about that and what we think about that uh, versus what the actual uh, environment really, really brings. So the most popular thing for with us is usually something related to heights, just because a fear of heights is the number two fear in the U.S. So the number one is actually public speaking. So maybe we should do some improv. We're uh, snakes, dude. Because well. you, what you just said, I'm like, man, I have to go pick up a rattlesnake now. Like he said, the most fearful <laughs> thing. Uh, where's that? It's probably number four. <laughs> yeah, we actually have this uh, Indiana Jones experience where you jump into a pit of snakes. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. No <laughs> chance, bro. <laughs> you know what not worth it i'm out of here <laughs> right, yeah. yeah we'll have to add that to the list uh, if yeah. you want to test it out with us let us know <laughs> no, I yeah did, a lot of these things are, are physically really easy but mentally challenging so i would just encourage people to go out and try to overcome the thing that they don't think they can overcome and see how powerful it is on the other side when yeah. once you've proved yourself that you can do it and it's actually more of a mental hurdle than anything else I think most things are mental hurdles, honestly, for sure. you know, especially with all the physical injuries that we see. Not to say that there's, there's like, look, there's plenty of physical reasons why somebody actually has an injury. Like, you know, you play sports, you had an ACL, somebody slipped, slid into you, now your ACL is torn, problem, right? But there's so many chronic problems that we see that are heavily related to our perception of pain and threats around us, fear of things happening to us. You talk about this from a standpoint of, you know, we're not getting chased by a lion very often, but our, our, our primitive mind views threats to our ability to evade something like that as a, a, a priority. So for instance, if you have a nerve injury or if you have hurt your back or you've hurt your, your neck or something like that, and it can affect your ability to produce force via the muscle, your body's going to prioritize not having an injury happen there further. So it creates this guarding effect and a lot of pain associated with that. It's like a warning signal, like, hey, don't screw yourself up worse or else you're not going to be able to run away from the lion and then you're going to get eaten. So it's a protective effect. And even in its own right, showing people, even you'd be shocked how many people that hurt their back are scared to pick up something that maybe weighs 10, 20 pounds off the ground. Like they will avoid it at all costs. They'll bend down onto one knee to pick it up. And it's, it's a threat. It's a, it's a, it's perceived um, injury is what it is. Just like you're talking about facing your fear of, you know, a high place. We have to slowly reload these people on how to pick 20 pound things up. And they're very fully capable to do so. But in their mind, they're afraid because they've had an injury and their body has, you know, protective mechanisms in place. So we have to break that through really mental training. So I think there's a ton of overlap with this. And I'm a huge fan of, of training this stuff. Um, for the last couple of questions I have for you real quick, what I want to get into are a couple of things specific to Atlanta and see what you're, uh, you know, what, what you like to get into. So number one, what's your favorite healthy place to eat in the city? That's a good question. Um, uh, probably at home with my girlfriend cooking something amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you at least uh, you know what's going into it. Like, yeah. Yeah. What's, what, what, I, what's your favorite thing she makes? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so she makes uh, amazing spaghetti squash, and I really like pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's done a really good job of helping me be a little bit healthier on the the pasta front uh, with kind of the spaghetti squash formula. So that's that's really yeah. amazing. I almost but, think it's um, better. Honestly, man, spaghetti squash is legit. You you make I think a good so spaghetti. too. Yeah, I, I think, I think awesome. it tastes even better. You're right, and yeah. she makes she makes an amazing sauce. But yeah, she's an incredible cook. I I would be eating ramen noodles and uh you know cans of tuna um for every meal if it wasn't for her (laughs) that's good (laughs) but yeah that's diet is something i need to be a little bit better at if uh if i don't have a influence like her in my life i'll just sort of eat whatever is healthy in there and i can get away with it because i'm active but uh it's probably not going to last um forever in terms of uh just having good genetics and staying active so i i need to to look for some more healthy restaurants. So there if you know already, let me know. Well, your girlfriend, it sounds like potentially you need to take it to the next step, my friend. And yeah, uh, that's very you, true. You got a partner in crime for life with nutrition. So, all right. That's right. Uh, what's your favorite outdoor activity in the Atlanta area? Yeah. Um, so if you, if you consider Atlanta as the sort of like the perimeter. Uh, yeah, surrounding area, let's call it that. Yeah, it's, you know, Atlanta's gotten better. Uh, although I, I admit that I spend every weekend getting out of Atlanta, uh, cause North Georgia, the Smoky mountains, Chattanooga, yeah. that's where all the really like world-class quality in adventure sports are, uh, and probably whitewater kayaking and paragliding are my favorite. So if stone mountain would let us paraglide off it, it would be one of the best paragliding spots in the Southeast, but they don't because they're mean. So, um, we have to drive up to Bell Mountain or Chattanooga to paraglide, unfortunately. But usually my favorite thing if I am staying in the city is, you know, doing a run uh, through the unfinished parts of the Beltline. So a lot yeah. of people think of the Beltline as like the Pond City Market area. But one of my friends and I did a uh, mountain bike trip around the entire 22-mile perimeter of what the Beltline will be. A lot of it is still active railway, so you sort of have to watch out. But it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see the entire route and doing a, a long um kind of marathon style run around the whole thing or mountain bike ride uh, is, is a pretty cool adventure and you see some interesting um areas of atlanta that uh, you wouldn't see otherwise yeah so, dude that's uh, that that's kind of a fun urban adventure and then there is some um some whitewater kayaking that's decently local at sweetwater creek um mm-hmm. that's not in the perimeter but it's pretty close by six flags and that's sort of a hidden gem for a lot of people great trail running uh, awesome river it's really intro whitewater kayaking not something you could float down with a tube and a cooler beer but definitely something you could learn on with a a real whitewater kayak so that's a good place to practice and teach people cool man this has been great thanks so much for your time if people want to reach out to learn more about vestigo what you guys do where can they find out a little bit more about you guys yeah so you can go to vestigo.co to our website and check it out you can also find all of our social profiles of our whole team on the about page right there you can also message me on linkedin or instagram Uh, it's just at marshall mosher it's marshall with two l's and then m-o-s-h-e-r and i'm happy to help uh and i'm always glad to help intro anyone to any of these fun outdoor adventures even personally i do uh i try to get out on the weekends and do a bunch of fun stuff so if anyone ever wants to come join and try something out let me know i usually go up to the um chattanooga paragliding site uh any weekend where the weather's good or if i'm not doing that then i'll uh go do some other fun stuff so i'm always happy to have some people come join awesome marshall thanks so much for your time guys as always thanks so much for listening to the podcast and we'll catch you next time Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.